Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a brand new week. Welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us on 1170am in Sydney, wherever you tuned in via the app, of course, our weather forecast for the week ahead. A few showers around this morning for Sydney. Tops today of 25 out west and 23 in the city. It'll be sunny tomorrow, but then more showers for the middle of the week and a few clouds around at the back end. So a bit of a mixed bag, but Temperatures hovering around the mid-20s for most of the week in Greater Sydney Town. Coming up today, got a heck of a lot of good stories today. Uh, Look, in terms of news, the NRL draw will become official in two hours. So 11 o'clock, the NRL will release that draw. We've got journos inside uh, the draw headroom, uh, headquarters, so to speak, and we will make sure that we bring all that to you. But of course... Quite a bit of it has already been leaked, so I'll get your thoughts on what we know so far, and then from 11 o'clock, we'll keep our eyes on that and bring it straight to you right here on SEN. The semi-finals at the ODI World Cup. Who makes the Aussie 11, and can anyone stop India? They are the two storylines at the moment. Of course, Marnus Labuschagne and Marcus Stoinis in the mix there. So who misses out, Marnus or Marcus? And what about the fact that Australia, for the very first time in this tournament have a full squad of 15, touch wood, to choose from for Thursday night's semi-final against South Africa. So for one reason or another, there has been one player or another who hasn't been available, and now they've got the full complement. So that's part of that storyline for Australia. The other part of the storyline for India, they're 9-0 going into this. So they go through the pool stage unbeaten. Can they do what Australia's done a couple of times and make it 11-0 and all the way through? Well, they have New Zealand on Wednesday night. A miracle story in cricket, as Vossi has alluded to this morning. Welcome back to the big fella. Mudjurabar, third-grade team captain Gareth Morgan has pulled off an absolute miracle. Six wickets in six balls, all in the one over, to dismiss his opponents who were ready to take victory. They needed five off the last over, and Gareth took six for six balls. He ended up with the figures of 7 for 16 off 7 overs. So those first 6 overs, whoo, they were costly, man. 1 for 16, he ended up with those off those first 6 overs. And then at the last ditch, he went, you know what? I may as well do it here and protect some of the younger players and I'll just see what happens. They need 5 off the last over. He takes 6 wickets in 6 deliveries. So I'll run you through all the details on that because it's a pretty cool story. And I know that Gareth has been speaking this morning with our our uh, teammates up there in Queensland, Paddy and Heels, this morning. So we'll have a listen to what he said. But I do want to know your best local sports stories. I mean, is there something that's happened in your grade cricket, at your local golf match, whatever it is? It's one of those ones that only happens in your backyard. The freakish hole-in-one stories. I remember quite a while ago, we got a really cool hole-in-one story from the Manly Golf Club. Uh, and there was a nice little touch to it. So if you've got something like that, throw it in this morning to the mix because we're talking good stories. Storytelling Monday. That's what we're going to do. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. And I'll also give you a story soon that'll make you think twice about becoming a coach. You know, everyone says like, who the heck would want to be a coach? And it's a fair question. Unless you happen to be a coach in college football in the U.S., And I'll tell you why in just a sec. Well, the answer's money. But I'll tell you why and how much in just a sec. We'll do our Monday sports scoreboard as well. Rob Quiney will join me to talk cricket. Adam Kwasnick 
to talk football. Brett Phillips with tennis and Joel Gould from AAP out and about on the road again. So let's start with the NRL draw. What we know so far, we had a discussion before we wrapped it up at the end of last week about Magic Round. St. George Illawarra won't be there. So they they will be the ones to miss out on Magic Round and Brizzy this year. Shane Flanagan has said, or next year, it's disappointing for our fan base. We've got a big fan base in and around Brizzy. And whilst part of me is disappointed, the rest of me says move on and see what's next. I'll tell you what I am loving out of the Dragons, the pragmatic approach from Shane Flanagan. Everything that he's saying publicly resonates. We're in the market for these players. Yep, we're disappointed, but move on. So there's not a lot of dwelling going on this way or that way from Shane Flanagan. And when you look at what happened last year after Magic Round for the Dragons, uh, I think they got hammered by the Cowboys the week after Magic Round. And then Anthony Griffin lost his job the week after that. So Shane Flanagan has looked at it and gone, well, let's just take a breather here. We're the one to miss out. We don't know the reasons why. I haven't seen uh, the NRL put out the official reason why they came to that conclusion. There will be a whole stack of things behind it. But let's see what happens this morning when that draw is made official. In terms of Magic Round, the likely matches that have been reported, Eels will play the Storm, Seagulls, of course, against the Broncos, Raiders v Bulldogs, Tigers will have the Dolphins, Cowboys will have the Rabbitohs, some big games. Sharks and Roosters, Warriors, Panthers, Titans v Knights, and the Bayern that round will fall to the Dragons. Some other talking points, the Panthers and Broncos will have their grand final rematch in round three. The Tigers will have a first round bye and then play Canberra and Cronulla. We'll have a triple header on Anzac Day. So Warriors, Titans, Storm Bunnies, Roosters, Dragons. And the Roosters v South Sydney will have a last-round matchup, So that could be epic. And that'll be a Friday nighter, September the 6th. The Cowboys have three Queensland blockbusters in their first five games. So they'll have the Dolphins away, the Broncos away, and the Titans at home. So we will follow the NRL draw as it's released for you at 11 o'clock this morning and get your thoughts. The ARL... C, the ARL Commission, by the way, has said, let's take a look at salary cap exemptions here for clubs signing Wallaby Stars. And we can have a good discussion about this a little bit later, but it's a pretty obvious shot across the bow again from Peter Volandis, who's saying, look, if a Wallaby or an All Blacks player wants to come over, we'd look at cap exemptions for sure. So what Rugby League is selling is the game and how you can get into the game. What Rugby Union at the moment is selling is the dream because Phil War has said, look, you've got a British and Irish Lions tour in 2025. You've got a home World Cup in 2027. This is an amazing opportunity for all players to be involved in such historical sporting events in Australia. Two very different approaches, and that's what they are selling at the moment, whereas Rugby League is selling, come to us, we'll make the room for it, and we'll show you the cash. New South Wales Blues, Michael Maguire still in negotiations. So that uh, appointment will be further delayed. There'll be the next New South Wales board meeting on November 23. Part of me says, just can we just get the deal done? Part of me says it probably appears as though it's done. And then the other part says, does it matter at the moment whether it's November 13 or November 23? Because you'd be thinking that if Michael Maguire knows that he's going to get the job, that he'll be working on it anyway. 
chances are he'd be working on it if he doesn't know he's going to get the job. So is this is the hold-up a bit of a worry? I mean, remember that they locked in Billy Slater up there on an extended term in Queensland. So if it's an us-versus-them thing, are you worried that we're sitting around waiting for another 10 days at least to make a, an official rubber stamp on Michael Maguire's position? Or are you okay with the fact that they've zeroed in on their man and they're waiting to see that they've got everything lined up to make him happy, to be good for the Blues, and also looking further down the track as well? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. Billy Slater re-signed with Queensland on September 28, which was a no-brainer. It's very different to re-signing Billy Slater to signing a brand-new coach and starting that process. But we go back to late September and the Maroons go, we're locked in, we're all good. We're here mid-November and the Blues are still waiting to see what happens next. CSC Watakiaho is uh, in a bit of a pickle. So yet to secure a release from his Super League club, Catalans, wants to come back to Sydney and Australia and had a planned return with the Bulldogs, but they need to open up a roster spot. So this is where the jam comes in. So he's essentially in a bit of limbo. Despite announcing more than three months ago they were going to release him from the remainder of his Super League deal, Catalans have yet to rubber stamp that one. So it's all in the balance, and the Bulldogs have already filled their 30 spots on their official roster for next season, capturing a whole stack of players. So a lot of rugby league news around for us to talk about. 0457 736 736. Let me know your thoughts on that. Semi-finals at the Cricket ODI World Cup will pan out like this. India v New Zealand Wednesday night. Australia v South Africa Thursday night. You can hear every single ball of both of those matches and the final right here on SEN. Our coverages start around the network from 7 o'clock on Wednesday, Thursday, and then into the final. So India go in unbeaten. They hammered Netherlands last night, and scarily enough, the uh, the batters were on song. Shreyas Iyer picks it up to go 128 not out. I think that's his first World Cup century. Rahul, 102. Sharma, 61. Gill, 51. Kohli, 51. They piled on the points, 4 for 410, the runs. And then they knocked over Netherlands for 250. Australia, well, we got our seventh straight win against Bangladesh on Saturday night. And as you know, Mitch Marsh just went gangbusters. 177 not out. Steve Smith returning after having problems with vertigo. 63 not out. David Warner, 53. And Adam Zampa, our top wicket taker at the Cup. The top wicket taker at the moment at the Cup with 22 wickets so far and more coming. WBBL tonight, the Sydney Sixers play the Hobart Hurricanes. So Sixers four and five against Hobart three and four. That's down there in Tassie at 10 past six. Yesterday, the uh, Sydney Thunder had their second loss of the season to Perth by 42 runs. So the Thunder six and two, they're second on the ladder. The Perth Scorchers on top of the ladder. They've played 10 games, seven wins and three losses. Now, in a crazy case of show me the money, get this for a yarn. U.S. college football, there's nothing like it. They make so much money, it's hard to wrap your head around. And remember this, they're not paying their players, right? (laughs) So put this into perspective, because Texas A&M, the Aggies, have fired their coach, Jimbo Fisher. Big, big name. But Jimbo's been fired. It's going to cost them more than $77 million to fire him. 
He's in his seventh season at the Aggies. He was originally signed on a 10-year deal worth $75 million. This is a college footy coach. 10-year deal, $75 million. In 2020, he wins the Orange Bowl, has a massive season. So they extend that contract out to 2031, and they bump it up to $9.4 million bucks a year. So a $94 million deal through to 2031. Since then, he's had the lean seasons, and it's all going a little bit pear-shaped. So they've decided that they're going to move him on. Under the terms of his contract, if he's fired before December 1, he'll receive a payout of $77,562,500, guaranteed. His contract was fully guaranteed. And further to that, there was no financial offset if he goes to another job. So no matter what happens, he can go to another job here, they can pay him $50 million, and the club that he's going to and the club that he's coming from or the, the college that he's coming from, there's no mitigation here. That $77.5 million has to come out of Texas A&M's bank, and he gets it no matter what. There was no penalty at all to Fisher if he wanted to leave for another job. Fully guaranteed. <laughs> this is crazy. And the only protection for the college, whew, thankfully, they don't have to pay the $77.5 million front up. They've got to pay 25% of it in the first two months. So that's call that $20 million, right? They've got to give that to him in the first 60 days. And then the rest, they've got to give it to him over the course of his deal. The previous biggest buyout of a coach was Guy Mauser. He was paid $21 million after being fired at Auburn, and he received half of that within a month. And then the rest over installments in four years. So I did some digging around this because it got me thinking, like, why would you want to be a coach? Well, the risks are always there for coaching. But in college football, when they make so much money and they are so big on such enormous broadcasting deals and they just generate so much money for their communities and their cities and they're getting paid a mozza for their students to be there, it's ridic- and they don't pay any of their football players, they've got the money to do it. And the best line I saw was when they said, ignore the buyout. So when you're thinking about hiring a coach, you have to ignore the fact that when you get rid of them, the buyout factor comes in. And in this case, it'll be $77 million US dollars to say, see you later. $121 million bucks for Jimbo Fisher to leave. And it's guaranteed. That's crazy stuff. 0457 736 736. Who wants to be a coach? Not many people. Who wants to be a college football coach? Well, if you're in the game, you're in the cash. In the NFL, results that are already done this morning. Colts beat the Patriots 10-6, so a low scorer there. Browns over the Ravens. Uh, the Steelers had a win over the Packers. 49ers beat the Jaguars. The Vikings beat the Saints this morning. The Texans beat the Bengals 30 points to 27. And the Buccaneers 20-6 to over the Titans. So we've got some games underway at the moment. I'll run you through the scores in that. And NBA is also up and running this morning. As per usual, Nets and Wizards uh, heading towards the final stages there. The Nets 97-92 and Clippers and Grizzlies into the third quarter. The Grizzlies lead that one with 76s and Pacers. 
Rockets and Nuggets still to come and others. So there you go. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is our open line number. Have you got any really cool stories, some local sports stories? What do you think of the big stories of the day? What are you making of this NRL draw? And what do you think about Rugby League saying the Wallabies stars and Rugby Union stars in particular, well, maybe we can open the door salary cap-wise and let you on in. Do you think the Rugby League needs to sell itself that hard at the moment in Rugby Union? The players and talent are there. They've had a lean trot at the World Cup, obviously, but the door might just swing open a little bit more. Let me know your thoughts on this Monday morning. Let's tell, uh, tell some stories, tall and true, or however you want to frame them, on 1300 01 1170 or 0457 736 736 on the text line. The Umina Pool Cleaner says, any, any idea for the dates for Magic Round next year and the venue? Uh, yes, we know the venue. Just actually, good question about the dates. So I just tried to do some digging when I saw your text message. But Tommy's on it, mate. Get to you in just a second. But let's go to the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Michael from Rose Bay. Morning, Michael. Your thoughts around Rugby Union possibly being uh, salary-capped exempt players for the NRL? Oh yes, Matt. Morning. Um, look, I'm a, I'm a fan of most sports, and I'm I don't think you have to uh, hate one sport in order to like another. So I I yep. like both rugby league and rugby union, but I I actually think this is a really smart play by rugby league. I um I think union is is on its knees in Australia, and I think this is quite proactive and could actually, you know, I hate to say it, but almost kill the sport off. You, know, you look at the Suali signing, um, that has raised the expectations of all the other players now in union. And now by opening up the door, even if it's, even if it's not true, because I actually don't think NRL need uh, union players, but I think by opening the door, it's going to put more salary pressure on a sport that already has just horrible administration, terrible participation numbers, and horrible results now at the top end. Uh, I think if, this, if they you know, jack up the prices and the expectations of the current players, it's actually, you know, and I'm not surprised with Volandis being such a good operator, I actually think it's quite a smart play, but will be very, very damaging to Union in Australia. Yeah. Look, mate, I agree with everything you've just said. I, I'm exactly the same as you. I like all sports, and I certainly don't believe that you, just because you like one more than the other that you have to hate the other and see it fail. So I want to see Rugby Union bounce back. I love the game, and I love what it does, and I love its history and, and everything from grassroots right up. But you're right. They're in a jam. They're in a pretty big hole at the moment. They've got to be, you know, get their way out. And you're also right that it's a smart move by the NRL. Whether or not they have to do it is another thing. Um, but it is a smart move by the NRL to say, look, if, you, if you're coming to us, then we might make it a little bit more palatable because we can. Words are pretty cheap, and it might cause a bit of a stink around the NRL in terms of who gets what exemption. But you're right. I think that the hard part for me for where rugby union's at at the moment, Michael, in terms of players keeping or getting, is what are they selling? And at the moment, they're selling that cycle again and selling the cycle to the players. Hey, you can come and stay with us. You can be part of the British and Irish Lions Tour, which sure is amazing, and a World Cup at home, which is incredible. So they're selling the, the, the dream and the cycle again, which is what they've got to do. So we'll have to see if it works. But that's a good call, mate. I really agree with everything you've just said. So thank you for your thoughts on that. Um, appreciate it. Where are they at at the moment? They're in different, you know, they're in different uh, lanes, no doubt about it, NRL and Rugby Union. And let's hope the Rugby Union stays and manages to truck on down the highway. It's going to be a hard road, though. Paul from Newcastle is on the line. Good morning, Paul. College football 
crazy game, hey, with money. Mate, uh, that's that's what's wrong with the world. Seriously, that that's just not even. That's just crazy. I <laughs> I, I I I dislike dislike that whole situation so much. Like you know, really, I, I don't even want to know about it. But mm. I, I do think Phil War uh, going on the union. He he's he's just signed up for the worst job in the world. He's got to try and take over from what his predecessors have done to the Landys to try and make him look silly. Good luck with that. I think the uh, Landys is ready just to put the sword through him. And I think Rugby Union is in the worst state it's been in for over 100 years. Which then leads me to ask the question, and I reckon we'll do this after the news, but is it the worst job in the world? I mean, would you rather come in when it's bottoming out because the only way is up. I mean, I'm a, I'm a bloody positive person, Paul, so that's the way that I'm looking at it here because you're right, you know, at, at the moment, like we say, it's, it, it's, it's in a, a very, very bad position across the board. But the only way is up, right? So if you're Phil War, there's no point sitting there looking in the mirror going, well, this has been a you-know-what fight for, for however long. The only way to go is how do we turn this around? And that's that's a pretty impressive job if you can get it done. Hey, Paul, I've got to go, mate. We've got to go to the news. Thank you. You've given us some thoughts. I know the bag's on the line. We'll take your call straight after the news, mate. It's a quick break, so stick on if you can. Right, let's go straight back to the open line. Thanks for holding on. Our man from the Central Coast, the bag, good morning to you, mate. Appreciate you holding on through the news. Yeah, not a problem at all. The college football you're raising, you're opening there, Matty. I just yeah. recently watched on Netflix, there's a, a, a doco called Johnny Football, and I think yes. he's at Texas, and uh, unbelievable the amount of money that it generates, and he was playing one year, and because of his cult status and merchandise, like brought something like 300-odd million into the place, and doesn't mm-hmm. get a, a quid for it. And that was the turning point. That's an amazing doco, isn't it, Johnny Football? Um, Johnny Manziel, that's that's his name. Yep. Um, and, and that was the turning point, wasn't it, mate, where they went, hang on a second, you guys are making all this money and, and cashing in off me, yet what what, what happens to me here? I was, I, I, I've been following this for quite a while, and in terms of the coaches and the buyouts and all that kind of stuff, the numbers are astronomical, but there's a reason why they're astronomical, mate, for that very reason that you just said, the amount of money that they generate from within the college and also around the college and the sponsors and the broadcast deals is off the charts. But when it comes to one person to have these fully guaranteed, this is this is the part that I can't get, the fully guaranteed um, salary. So let's say that I hire you and I go, hey, Bag, I reckon you're really good. I'm going to sign you up for a million bucks a year and I want you to be here for 10 years. And you know what? If you're no good as of next month, you're still going to get that ten million bucks. I mean, it's that, that's exactly what it is in a nutshell, which is just hard to comprehend. Well, it is hard to comprehend, but like, is that for all the coaches over there, or is that just to attract one bloke to the place? Like, you could understand perhaps in a much lesser scale throwing that sort of money at a Wayne Bennett or a Bellamy or or what have you. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 off its head. But when you look at just on college football on the positive side, that side that runs out to enter Sandman by Metallica. Oh, there's no better entry to a sporting paddock than that. It's pretty, it's pretty massive, isn't it? Like the way that they, 
you know, the, the way that they dominate. Like in terms of salaries, right? So the buyout figure is one thing. The salary figure is, is nowhere near as big as the buyout because the buyout's all about this fully fully guaranteed contract. And you're right, yeah, it's, some, are, some are on bigger deals than others, which is, you know, that's the way that it rolls. I had a look too this morning at those buyout numbers and, and the figures. Um, I've just lost it. Where the hell's it gone? So I'll find that, find that in just a sec. But, I mean, the, the numbers are, are stupid. Here you go. Take a look at this for – or have a listen to this for coaches' salaries – Alabama, Nick Saban, $11.4 million. If they sack him, they've got to pay him out $44 million. bucks. Dubbo Sweeney from Clemson. If they sack him, they've got to pay him 64 Kirby Smart from Georgia. If they sack him, they've got to pay out $92 million. Now, some are smart. Some have this, like, fully guaranteed part of it. Others have to go with the flow and see what happens. There's a coach at the moment who's been fired, and he's trying to get that money. But they're saying, well, there's different clauses here that we could fire you on. And it all comes down to the athletic directors. And here's, here's a good line that I found this morning, Bag. Athletic directors essentially have three job duties. Hire coaches, fire coaches, and play the pauper while they're passing the hat in between. <laughs> so that, that, I reckon, says it all. Good on you, mate. Thank you for that. Now, listen, uh, 1-300-01-1170. Jump on that one if you like. Both of those callers there are summarising what I'm thinking when I'm reading all of this and seeing all of this. The numbers are hard to comprehend and just don't make any sense. But when you look at the amount of money that they're generating and what they're spending and the whole college football set up there and everything that goes with it, the numbers, relatively speaking, kind of do make sense. What doesn't make sense for me is this fully guaranteed job for the term that virtually comes, in Jimbo's, Jimbo Fisher's case, no strings attached. He can never win another game again. He could be there for the tenure of his deal and never win another game again, never score another point again, and still make every cent of his contract. Who wants to be a coach? In that scenario, <laughs> kick it to me. <laughs> Put your hands up. Um, Penny Panther says, Greg from Gundagai needs to be doing his nudie run. His tip was a shocker and it cost me 10 bucks. I don't want photographic footage, but he needs to follow through on this. Airman didn't get up. I, I jumped on board too. What are you really gambling with? But this is something that we need to follow through this morning. So Greg from Gundagai, just as you're you know, dusting yourself off after the weekend, you need to get in touch with us. Give us your thoughts. Let us know that you're going okay and what your plans are. We don't want any peer group pressure here. And the good folk of Gundagai could probably do without it. But we've got to see what the outcome is of all of that. Let's take a break. Rob Quiney will join me. We'll talk cricket after this. So the ODI World Cup comes down to the final four. India v New Zealand on Wednesday night. Australia versus South Africa on Thursday night. Rob Quiney joins us as we get to a fascinating stage of the World Cup. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Maddie. That's right. Five and a half weeks, 45 games, and we're finally here at the final stage. So I think the best four teams are in, and geez, I'm looking forward to this week's games. We'll get to the obvious question around Australia, as in who makes it and who misses out soon. But yep. let's start with India. Let's do this in order of appearance, because they're first up against New Zealand Wednesday. And the obvious question for this one, Rob, is can anyone stop India at the moment? They're 9-0, and they're at home, everything's going their way. 
Can you see one of these three remaining teams on the opposite side of them, the Kiwis, us or South Africa, being able to stop them? Those three teams have had a chance and failed. Um, you know, Australia miserably as well, and South Africa also. Every team in the in the World Cup has tried and failed. Um, it's it's really, really tough ask, you know, and we've looked statistically in the last couple of um, World Cups. It's the home side that it, that's won the World Cup. So odds are, are with India here. Um, I've tried to look as to, you know, whether there's something glaringly obvious, but you, you look at, you know, how clinical they were last night. You know, Sharma, Gill, Coley, Shreya Sires coming to the party, Kale Rahul, um, you know, the three quicks, two spin. Like, they've got every base covered. So the only positive, I think, from New Zealand's perspective is that they, they pushed them but as close as you can to pushing them um, when they played through the round stages. So uh, the, the, the one thing I got from that game was the, the top economy rates for the bowlers are Boomer and, and Jadeja. So obviously both from India. And Kuldeep Yadav is fourth. And I just don't think that New Zealand can allow India to dictate terms when they're bowling and, and let those three guys not necessarily explode wickets, but actually make it really hard to score runs. And when they played against each other, they actually took um, Kuldeep Yadav at seven and over. And I think that was one of the reasons why they nearly got up. So... Maybe that's you know they've got to be they've got to be fearless and brave with the bat. They've got Williamson in now. He played last game, um, and you know their bats are in pretty good nick. Conway, Ravindra, and Mitchell around them, um, pretty good nick. With I guess Phillips wanting to emulate even half what Glenn Maxwell can do in the way he bats. So uh, that that was pretty broad, but I think they just need to be brave with their batting um, and potentially you know win the toss and send India in as well. You know we know how good India are at chasing totals. They're they're superstars. So maybe just the small percentages to go their way. So you've got India at home with everything riding on on them staying unbeaten. They have to stay unbeaten right throughout now. Yep. So if they drop their first game of the tournament, they're out. You know, this is the weird part. Whereas New Zealand, as you rightly point out, they just scrape in. They won five, lost four of their nine pool matches. So if you're New Zealand, you're, you're probably looking around going into this one, well, We've got nothing to lose here. This is our time to try and hit the peak that we haven't been able to hit. Yeah, I like, 100% see that. And you've got to take that mentality in there as well to say, hey, you know, the pressure's on them. They feel the, the Indians feel the pressure at home every time they play. You can, you can get a, like a small sense of it when we're watching here on TV. But when you're there and you hear it and you feel it, it's, it's another level. And, and all the players will tell you that. But... When you say like it's a bit, you know, nothing to lose. I think they do have a little bit to lose. They've played in the last two World Cup finals and lost, and mm-hmm. they've got this squad of players that can really challenge the the top teams in the world. And, and I think they're really generally thinking that they can beat India. And if they beat India, they can put, they would walk into the final thinking we can beat anyone. So I think there's a little bit more in the line for New Zealand. You know, if they if they miss out here. As I said, two World Cup final runners-up and then a semi-final loss. You know, they'd be pretty shattered about that, I think. All right, then we get to Thursday, mate. Australia v South Africa, another yes. match-up for the ages, so to speak. So we won our seventh straight against Bangladesh on Saturday night. Mitch Marsh returns and, and goes off, 177 not out. Good to see Steve Smith back with 63 not out. Davey Warner continues to pile on the runs. And Adam Zampa continues to take the wickets. So that's all behind them. That seven uh, straight wins is now behind them. And it comes to crunch. I love yeah. how you put in this, Matty. It's just <laughs> all behind them now. It comes to crunch time, mate, doesn't it? This is the great thing about semi final. So 
So in terms of momentum, before we get to the selections, in terms of momentum, do you like what you've seen from Australia and the way that they've dusted themselves off over the first two losses? Yeah, certainly. I don't think there was any panic that crept into the, the camp. I think, I reckon we spoke after the South Africa, ironically, loss, um, after their second game, and I said they wouldn't have panicked after India. They'd be pretty shattered the way they approached the South African game and how they lost that, and they've really turned it around. And again, it's, you know, in my opinion, it was, you know, Zampa sort of getting closer to full fitness. Um, the top order were a little bit hesitant at the start, which I think it'll, it'll change. And then, you know, Travis Head's come in. He had an immediate impact. He hasn't had an impact in the last three games. And I think that's something that South Africa are going to be really wary of. Uh, Trav played really well in the South African series prior to the World Cup. Um, so I don't think there's any panic stations. I actually think they're in a better spot now because of what happened in that um, round-robin stage game uh, against South Africa. So um, in terms of momentum, you know, South Africa probably are second behind India in terms of momentum and how they've gone through the tournament. They're so smooth. Like, the cock is absolutely brained them. Um, Van der Dutton and Markram and, and Klaas, and, like, that for a batting order, I guess the only weak, weak link there is, you know, Bavuma. And, you know, they've got to this stage without Bavuma really turning it on. So, huge... Huge game. Um, I really think that uh, Australia can turn this one around from last game. And and, um, and I guess the scars are there for South Africa historically, aren't they? I know we're probably clutching at straws and we're talking 24 years ago, um, but the scars are still there. There's still a few days till this one, so touch wood nothing happens because for the first time at this World Cup, Paddy Cummins and Andrew McDonald can actually look around and go, we've got a full squad of 15 players to choose from. Like, every time they thought that that would happen, Glenn Maxwell falls off the back of a golf cart. Steve Smith has trouble standing up or sitting down. Um, unfortunately, Correct. Mitchell Marsh had to had to go home as well. So, you know, without taking the mickey here, they've got a full squad for the very first time at the right time, but it'll come down to Marnus Labashain or Marcus Stoinis. I find it really hard, Rob, to find a case against Marnus Labashain. You know the case for Marcus... But the case against yep. Marnus would be so hard for what he's been bringing and what he can deliver yep. both with ball and bat and in the field. Yeah, whoever misses out is going to be, you know, they're going to be shattered. Um, but these are the, um, I've got no doubt that Andrew McDonald and the crew would sit down prior to the tournament and say, what's our best team? What does our best team look like? Um, and, and some variables potentially, you know, throughout the, the stage um, process of the tournament because of what you said, injuries and, and other things that come up. But yeah, I'm probably tending to stick. To think that they're going to stick with Stoinis, and I think that Labuschagne might unfortunately miss out. Uh, he, he's he's had a hell of a tournament in terms of giving everything. You watch him in the field, and that last game in the field, like he he literally got to. He was like a bowler. He got two wickets in the field as as run out. So yeah. he's done an amazing job. I think I, I don't I don't think Smith and, and Labuschagne can play too many one day games together if if we want to propel above 300 and, and all that. Um, and and I think Smith takes a cake. Smith's important from a leadership perspective. You know he's he's equally good in in slips. Uh, and I think his batting the ability, I guess, to to get through some tough times. I think he's pretty good as well. So um, yeah, it, it's going to be a really tough call. I, I'm I'm thinking you know Maxwell and Stark come back in. Abbott comes out obviously, um, and then for me, you know that big call is, is Labuschagne uh, to to come out. But like like you said, Maddie. This is semi-final time, so 
it, it, things aren't easy. And it's funny when you when you think about coaches and selectors, it's like, oh, it's a great problem to have everyone available. Some, sometimes it's not. The last <laughs> three or four games, it's been a little bit easier for them. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which way they go, but that's that's how I would go. I'm interested in your take, too, on Adam Zampa throughout this tournament. I mean, he, he really has delivered um, at the right time. Like I said, leading a wicket taker in the tournament, 22 wickets. But he, he just seems to have, I, I don't know, just, just changed a bit, grown a bit. I mean, what, how, do you, how do you put it? Are you seeing a different kind of performance from Adam Zampa here? He, he thrives. He, early in his career, he, he might have got hit a little bit but he wants to be bowling in those pressure situations. He he wants to be the person, and they go to. He he absolutely adores Warney, and that's what Warney did. You know, he's he's got those prescription sunnies now that I think he was joking around that they're like Warney's sunnies from like 25, 30 years ago. Um, but he he wants those pressure moments, and he, and he thrives in it. And he went through a period, I reckon, about four years ago, where he. He was that person through the middle that would always get the wicket for Australia, and he's done it. He's done it for four years. So um, he, the thing with him is, it's his length and, and his variable of, or variation of pace. Sorry, that um, is the key, and, and people can't get to him. Like people want to come down the wicket to get to him, and, and he's like, go for it. And, and with only four out, I think he does a hell of a job. Not only to control the the run rate, but obviously pick up key wickets along the way. So um, I think it comes down to referring to your question, Matty, just confidence in his own ability. Is, is how I think he's been so successful. Yeah, if there's one thing you want to pick up off Warney as well, confidence. And he's certainly got that. 100%. He's, yeah, <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the Warney swagger going on about him. Um, look, it's fascinating, 100%. mate. So we're down to India v New Zealand, then Australia v South Africa. Let's see how this one plays out. It's going to be an awesome week of semifinals. Thanks for your time. Enjoy, mate. And we'll catch up again as we head to the finals. Thanks for having me, Matty. Yeah, looking forward to it. Hopefully, India-Australia final. Fingers crossed. A very good morning and welcome to our listeners joining us on SENQ 693 in Brizzy, SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Thanks for being part of the morning's program right here as we kick off another week with plenty in front of us, including in the next hour, the official release of the NRL draw for 2024. So a lot's been already leaked, including the Magic Round scenario and the Dragons will be the team to miss out, but we'll get further details in our next hour and we will bring them to you as they start to trickle on in, the NRL could also open up cap space for rugby union signings. That news has been hovering around this morning. So do you agree or disagree with this? Do they have to? What does it say about rugby league and how aggressive they're being in this space? What does it say about rugby union and where they're at in this space as well? And can you see this leading to a bit of a player drain in rugby union? I've never been one for putting the boot into a game when it's on its knees. This one's on its backside. And I publicly said, and earlier this morning said, that I'd love to see the game of Rugby Union get back. It's going to be a long way back, and they're fighting off all sorts of challenges. And now perhaps this is another one. It's smart by the NRL, no doubt about it. Whether or not it comes into play further down the track, we'll have to wait and see. Give me your thoughts on that. 0457 736 736. We're looking for some cool local sports stories as well. After Gareth Morgan, as you know, this morning, especially from our Queensland listeners, took six wickets in six balls for Mudgery Bar to beat Surface Paradise in third grade cricket. And not only that, took it upon himself. So some local sports stories off the back of that, some freakish uh, backyard sports stories, if you like, or local cricket, local golf, whatever it is, local footy, 
that you want to join in that conversation. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. As we head towards the semi-finals of the ODI World Cup, Manus or Marcus, who's your pick for Australia? For the first time throughout the entirety of this cup, all 15 players will be available, assuming nothing happens in between now and Thursday night. So Australia v South Africa, and then before that, we have India unbeaten after going to town on Netherlands last night, um, taking on New Zealand on Wednesday night. But, of course, one of them's going to have to go. And I've had a chat with Rob Quiney this morning. My take on this is I get the feel that they'll leave Marnus Labuschagne out for the makeup of the squad. But it's, it's been so hard to try and find a reason to take Marnus out. The reasons are all there to keep Marcus Stoinis in, but to take Marnus Labuschagne out, that poses a few more headaches. I think that's the way they'll go, but who do you pick and why? The ATP World Tour Finals are underway. We will catch up with Brett Phillips and talk tennis a little bit later on this morning, so there's all sorts of action going there. And Jimbo Fisher, the head coach at Texas A&M College Football, has been sacked. Why is that important? Well, it's important in terms of the wackiness of the numbers in the story here. He gets $77 million US dollars, $121 million Australian dollars for being sacked. They call it the buyout number over there. So they've got to buy him out for the rest of his contract, even though they're getting rid of him. <laughs> they've got to buy him out to the tune of $77 million. It is astronomical. Um and and trying to wrap your head around that is hard to do just on the pure numbers term. In fact, Dan says in regards to U.S. college football and the payouts for sack coaches, isn't it the same deal in NRL just on a smaller scale? Well, it's about this guaranteed coaching stuff. I mean, I don't know too many NRL coaches who were signed up on long-term deals, regardless of whether it's $90 million in this case overall or whatever it is, and say, no matter what you do, you get all that money. Every single cent of it. So you <laughs> you can not wear... I mean, there's no trigger clauses in this stuff. It's crazy. Dan says, everyone feels for coaches when they get sacked, but whether it's US college football or NRL, they all get a generous payout. Not to the tune that they get over there in college football. And the way that they get it, too. It's, it's absolutely crazy. To see a coach in the U.S. college system getting that kind of money, says our listener here on the text line, in a country where more than 20 million people live off food stamps is a pretty sad indictment on the world. It's also the same reason that I refuse to watch soccer. And also, can we stop referring to the curated NRL game program as a draw, <laughs> as that implies that it's somewhat fair, says Luke the Elabana Eel. Oh, Yeah. Well, there are certain things you've got to put in, certain things that I guess you leave up to the old um, matrix out of Canada, or wherever it's being done now. And what are the reasons behind... Remember the fan engagement part was the reason given about the Magic Round by given to Newcastle this season? So we all got ourselves into a lather about trying to work out who was going to miss out. And it was like, well, off the fan engagement numbers, Newcastle miss out. So off the fan engage, if that's the same, they're saying that fan engagement at Magic Round last time around was not good for the Dragons. After Magic Round in 2023, the Dragons got pumped by the Cowboys. And in between that match and their next match, 
they ditched their coach in Anthony Griffin and Ryan Carr took over and they won the next match at the end of the game against the Roosters. In terms of rugby union, Simon says, I love your positivity, Matty, but when you say about our Wallabies the only way is up, I have to disagree. I've heard Matty Rogers and other past Wallaby greats on this station saying our pathways are broken, amongst other things, and haven't really heard the people running the game saying how they're going to fix it. I love watching the Wallabies of the 80s, 90s, mid-2000s, but the brand is almost dead. I'll still support them, says Simon, but being a Dragons fan, I shouldn't be backing anyone. That's fair enough. I'll revisit that in just a sec. In just a sec. The only way is up. Not just the Wallabies, but Rugby Union as a whole. And they know that. And yes, they have the plan. They announced their plan back in August. They didn't see just how bad it was going to turn out at the World Cup, and that has highlighted everything. That's put everything tenfold. But I do believe we had a caller earlier saying, well, Phil War's got the worst job. You can look at it that way, or you can look at it that perhaps it's not, because what what is the only the only way is really up. It's not dead and buried, but it's certainly broken. So I'd much rather have the job in front of me to fix it than try and see it slide anymore because I'm not sure how much more it can slide. Let's talk football. Adam Kwasnick is on the line as we dig our teeth into A-League, EPL as well. Good morning, mate. Thanks for your time this morning. A a bit to chew on off the A-League as well, including uh, Sydney FC, the old bounce-back trick. 5-1 against Adelaide United with Ufuk Tele in charge. What did you make of that? Yeah, good morning, Matty. Yeah, fantastic result for Sydney FC. Obviously, uh, new coach and there's a new vibe uh, in that Sydney FC camp, and uh, they destroyed Adelaide on Adelaide's uh, turf on uh, Saturday night. It was a fantastic performance, Joe Lolly in particular, and a young player that I think I mentioned to you last time we, we spoke, yeah. Matty, Jaden uh, Kuchowski. Just a fantastic performance from the young player, and look, the only only way is up for Sydney FC, and it was a promising start to Ulfi Tale's uh, tenor at the helm. So what is that? I mean, how do you put that in terms of sort of justification around Steve Corica? You get the result, but and that's what they're looking for. Um, but does it does it trigger a new era? Does it signal a new way of thinking? Is it getting the players out of a bit of a funk that they might have been in, or or was it just the right time to strike Adelaide United? I probably probably a bit of both, Matty. I, I think yeah, that 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 new coach obviously there's a bit of a spark there from the players they want to impress. You know, maybe, you know, there could be a few of them there that are off contract, even though we're early in the season. You know, players wanting to get their deals extended. Um, but Ufi Tele's come in. Um, he's a no-nonsense manager. Um, he he didn't change too much, to be honest. Um, you know, if you, if you judged under Corica the last few games, nothing really changed, but the performance was a lot more intent. Um, there was, you know... Joe Lolly arguably played his best game of the season. Um, young player Kachowski, as we mentioned, there was just a, a real energy there for the Sydney FC team, and you could call it a new era. Um, but, uh, look, it's good to see. When the, when Sydney FC are doing well, it's good for the A-League. Western Sydney Wanderers 2-0 over Perth Glory, mate. So the Wanderers on top of the league after the first month. Do we call it early? Are they premiership favourites? What do you look at here? <laughs> Well, there's four four teams undefeated, and Western Sydney Wanderers are one of those teams. Look, they were good um, on Saturday afternoon. I thought, you know, Mark Rudin has got them into a really good groove. But as we know, Matty, you know, the season, it's not a sprint. Uh, it's a long race, and there's plenty of football to be played. But 
Uh, there's a lot, a lot to like about the Western Sydney Wanderers and the way they're going about things. Uh, there's a lot of quality within the squad. Uh, they've got a wonderful stadium out at Combank, and um, hopefully they can continue it. And then on the flip side of that, four straight defeats for your boys. So the Mariners go down 2-1 to Brisbane Roar. It's it's a bad start. It's the worst ever start for defending champion in the A-League and a bit of controversy around this. Yeah, well, I'd hate to say it, Matty, but champions to chumps as we speak. Um, yeah, it's just not good enough for, for the current champions. And, you know, Brisbane Roar, um, you know, take away the stats, you know, they got the result on the day um, and I thought they were great value. The Mariners, they're creating chances but just can't score goals. Um, you know, I'd love to see Mark Jackson change a few things up. Obviously a couple red cards, that played its part in the game but making no excuses for the Central Coast Mariners, it's not up to standard and it needs to be better. Let's have a, a quick look at the EPL mate, so Another loss uh, for Ange Postacoglu as Wolves 2 beat Spurs 1. I'll just play you this. So this is Ange because everyone's saying, okay, is this the start of the challenging period? I don't think anyone wants to see Ange Postacoglu fall here, but he would have known some losses were coming and and they're coming now. So let's have a listen to this and then I'll get your thoughts. This is Ange on his first big challenge after their second loss. My first test, yeah? yeah. Losing the greatest ever player of this competition the day before the season starts, nah, piece of cake. We lost two players to almost season-ending injuries, nah, don't worry about it. Mate, there are tests all the time. There's, there's only, in my whole career, I've figured out there's only two states of being as a manager. You're either under siege or it's coming, right? That's the only thing. So I know I'm well aware of kind of every day that, Nothing ever runs smooth. There's always challenges out there. What I try and do, I think I mentioned last week, is not change my state of being. You know, it is what it is. Whatever the challenge is, and there's always challenges. Hopefully, um, you know, I try and focus on what's the most important. What's the most important thing is we're still building a football club, trying to build a team to be successful, an environment where people want to win and be ambitious. That's not going to change from week to week, depending on what's happening. So, um, yeah, this is a different challenge and we're going to have to deal with it. Like I said, it's it's fairly extreme, even for, for a guy in my experience, that you lose five sort of players in one game. But it is what it is. <laughs> hey, Quaz, can we can we forget Ted Lasso now and just say Ange Postacoglu's <laughs> got the best words of wisdom? Two states of being as a manager. You're either under siege or it's coming. How refreshing of an approach is that? Yeah, an incredible approach, to be honest. Um, and it can only come from the, the one and only Ange Postacoglu. Look, he's um, he's done remarkably well, Matty. Like, you think 12 games into the season, they're sitting fourth. Um, obviously, you know, the last two games have, have ended in defeat. But, um, you know, I think this international break coming up um, is going to give him the chance to just maybe reset the player's mindset um, obviously, those long-term injuries to Madison, Van Deveen, and even Cessy Nong, that's obviously going to set them back. He mentioned losing Harry Kane. I, I, I guess he's waiting for January so the transfer window can open up um, and he can open up the, the person and purchase a, a real number nine. Um, their next four games, Villa, City, West Ham and Newcastle, it's not going to get easier. But I guess this international break, like I said, has come, come at a good time for Ange Postacoglu and his team. Yeah, um, Chelsea 4, Man City 4, so that's important too. Liverpool 3, Brentford 0. Arsenal 3, defeated Burnley 1. And Man United beat Luton, uh, Luton Town 1 0. Good on you, Quaz. Thanks for your time this morning, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matty. Take care.
Adam Kwasnick there. I'll just play you this too. I mean, we, we just heard from Ange Postacoglu and Kwas gave us his thoughts there about Ufuk Talley in charge now of Sydney FC. So let's hear from the incoming Sydney FC coach after that opening win, a four-goal win over Adelaide United. Yeah, look, the expectation is uh, if we're a big club, I think there's a certain brand of football that we need to play. Was it perfect uh, all the way through? No, I think there's uh, a lot of room for improvement. But for me, the intent was there from the players. Uh, We worked hard, they pressed hard, and we created opportunities from those moments. But uh, look, overall, I'm very happy. Obviously pleased with the result. It's never easy coming to Adelaide and getting three points here. But uh, for me, uh, it's great because there's a lot to build on. Only two training sessions, of course. How much of your messaging and your tactics were you able to get across in that time? Yeah, well, you have two sessions to work through with it. You try to give them as much information as possible and then hopefully the players are comprehending it. And look, like I said, I don't expect it to be perfect uh, overnight, but, uh, you know, it's a work in progress. Yeah, definitely. I think the boys can give a lot more. I think they got it in them. And look, that's my job to get the best out of these players. There you go. The new coach of Sydney FC, 0457 736 736. Paul says, Matty, could you just give a shout-out to Jason Norris, congratulating him on winning the Senior Australian Open yesterday at the Great Richmond Golf Club. All of your listeners listeners should get out and have a round at the track. Well done, Jason. Congratulations, Paul. Thank you for that. I was out your way um, just, well, actually last night. On the way back from Bathurst, I was up there at Mount Panorama for the Speed Series where it all went pear-shaped. Josh Bucken ended up winning the TCR Australia title um, in the last race after Bailey Sweeney had all sorts of problems going on. So Josh Bucken, the champion in that one, and um, James Moffat, who you'll hear regularly here on SEN, took out the Trans Am title, which with all of Moff's experience even blew me away. That's the first championship that he's won in motorsport, which is interesting. I mean, a lot of these drivers go through. Mark Webber's a good case. He went through basically the entirety of his career and had to wait until uh, World Endurance Championship to claim his first. So at all those junior levels, missed out, and congratulations to Moff. So thank you, Paul. I appreciate that one, and well done, Jason, for winning the Senior Australian Open. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number, 40 minutes away from the NRL draw officially being released, so we'll stay on top of that for you if you stay with us right here on SEN. NFL update for you. You can catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass only on DAZN. Finish, uh, visit rather, nflgamepass.com. Rightio, so we've got... One, two, three, four games underway at the moment. End of the third quarter between the Chargers and the Lions, and the Chargers lead that, uh, rather, the Lions lead that 31-24. End of quarter three against Cardinals v. Falcons, and the Cardinals lead that 22-17. Cowboys 28, zip over Giants at the moment. Into the third quarter, and Commanders 12-9 over the Seahawks, thanks to NFL Game Pass. Dot com and we'll check out some NBA stuff for you as well. And don't forget, too, Flight Center's big red sale is on. Limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays, tours. You can book now to save big with Flight Center's big red sale. You might want to head over to Las Vegas. So the countdown to the Las Vegas Grand Prix is on, folks. Um, what are we now? Six days away until the whole shebang starts over there. And you are going to be flooded with... Incredible images, 
the usual stuff. If you follow any Formula One on social media, for instance, they'll do all the same old stuff. Here are drivers arriving at the track, and here's George Russell looking pretty and all that kind of hoo-ha. But what will blow you away is um, the build of this thing in Las Vegas, the street uh, build that they've done, the setup, everything that's going to go around it, the celebrities, the buy-in from the Americans in this will be huge, and the sphere. So we told you about last week, the sphere. Remember, you two are playing at the sphere. They're in residency there, that multi-billion dollar setup over there. And they've had to shut it down. And the reason is that basically Formula One had to essentially overtake or or um, take over the area around the sphere. They don't need the sphere, but they're racing around it. So they need the land around the sphere. And that's why. So nobody would be able to get in or out. What they're going to do, from what I understand, is use that sphere, that incredible dome with all those high-definition screens inside and out. They're going to use that for advertising. Welcome to a brand new world, folks. It's going to blow your mind and it'll take it to another level in terms of how they make their money. So from what I understand, I don't know what advertisers they are, but they will be all Formula One heavily invested advertisers that they're going to throw into the sphere and just make another part of this Las Vegas Formula One story go even harder. Meanwhile, UFC, through Dana White, says it's going to host an event at the Sphere next year. He says, we're already working on the creative for the show. I'm going to put on the greatest live combat sports show anybody's ever seen. That will be the Sphere's first live sporting event. So think about this. You have a live sporting event inside in the Sphere itself, which will be nuts. What do you do on the outside? with all those high-definition screens. Could you show it? Hey, <laughs> are you with me? There's advertising that goes out. I mean, this, this thing's a bit of a game-changer, and it'll all come to pass this weekend when they all rock into Vegas, and off we go again. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number, 0457-736-736. Stu says, as much as I love the big Stoin. I'd be leaning to playing Labuschagne in the semi. He's batting great, which will be invaluable versus the South African bowling attack. Gives us a better balance. He's running between wickets, all-round fielding and enthusiasm, which can't be underestimated, gives him the nod, in my opinion. Also, on a different point, I don't think the English experiment has worked, and I'd go back to Carey as the keeper, says Stu. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they stay with Josh Inglis, and that much was pretty clear. Um, but, yeah, if you think that they should go back to Alex Carey, then... That's that's kind of your, you know, it's obviously your opinion, but I just don't think they're going to do it. Not a bad, um, not a bad way to go if they wanted to, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? See what you get, you, <laughs> what you get is what you get with Marcus Stoinis. What you get with Marnus Labuschagne is what he delivers, plus a little bit more, especially if he's on it and he's on it in the fielding, he's on it in that enthusiasm. Is that what they want? They've got to have a look at what they want. And as Rob Quiney said to me earlier. There's no doubt about it. They would have sat down and go, what's our best team? What's our best 11 here? And that would be your starting point. The question is, does Labuschagne fit in that best 11? Or does Stoinis fit in that best 11? And then the other part of that is, what do they consider best? <laughs> best individual players, best team players, best what we get out of the role and against the opposition as well. I, I'm with you. I've got a feeling that 
they're going to stick with Stoinis and Labuschagne to be left out. I'd be happy if Labuschagne was in there. I don't think that they're going to change anything around the keeper, and I think Josh Inglis remains there. Let's head towards the news. So about 30 minutes away, we should start to get uh, more of this official draw from the NRL headquarters, and we'll bring you that as soon as it comes on in. Now, I've been busy across the weekend, right? <laughs> I got home late. Maestro, I, I was just listening to Vanessa talking about that cruise, the uh, cruise ship. Mm. This doesn't sound... The Grand Princess. Oh, man. Mm. Doesn't sound like a lot of fun. So it's it's arrived into Adelaide, and they've got not only an outbreak of COVID-19, but gastro as well. Mm. Uh-huh. Well, that's par for the course, isn't it, on cruise ships? Well, well we've had well, luck, well, and we've had luck. We've had no uh, issues with cruise ships with the word princess in them in Australia in no, the last no, few years, no. have we? So there'll be no. no issues there at all, Matt. No. No problems. I can't <laughs> no. see anything wrong happening was it, there. Was it just Was it just me? Well, at that stage, was it just me and my wife, you know, in the Ruby Princess, and we were sitting there watching the news at that time, and we went, are they serious? Mm. Like... Was it, were we the only ones that could see what would happen there if they let all those people off? And now these poor buggers, they're stuck on this ship. Well, they've been... So I, I, led, I read that they were... When they docked in Melbourne, the passengers had to get off mm. and they did a deep clean. Um, but apparently they weren't told to wear masks on board. They were just told that they should, you know, make sure that they're washed and, and all that kind of hoo-ha. They weren't to- told about COVID. And now they've been overrun. Mm. So, where did they go, these people? Well, some of them have been taken, the ones who needed medical attention have been taken to hospital. But, um, yeah, that's a great question, Matt. We'll keep digging. <laughs> we'll have an update for you, maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick, let's let's do a quick, I mean, we're all different demographics here, but let's do a quick swing around the around the studio. Have you ever been on a cruise? And B... Would you ever go if the answer to A is no? Alex, you start. Uh, no, and maybe, but it won't be for another 20 okay. years at You're the very earliest, I reckon. Tommy? No, no, I haven't been on a cruise. Would never be on a, go on a cruise. You're I don't a want no I, and a no? I don't want to be dictated. I don't want my holiday to be dictated by someone else. You know, oh, we're stopping here at this date. We're stopping here at this date. We're stopping here at this date. <laughs> and I don't, want to be, I don't want to be stuck there with all these randoms. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I'm mean, no offense, but that's just not no, my no. type of holiday. No, no, you're no, a real no, people I'm, person, aren't you? Yeah, Tom? real people person. He's all busted up, yeah. Tommy. He's all busted <laughs> up this morning. Um, by the way, I'm a no and a no, so I'm I'm half in your boat, so to speak. There, Tommy. Um, the only thing I was told about it, cruises many many years ago was to if you're going to do it, spend. Yeah, of course. Do do, mm. do it properly. Yep. So load up completely. Um, you know, sell your house kind of spend. Um, now, let's inform our listeners to AM, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Let's inform our listeners about your weekend because you, you strapped on the boots. You got back out there. Uh, word I is here around in town that there could be salary cap exemptions for the Roosters as, um, you know, under the new mantra by NRL headquarters of emerging rugby players. What's what's happened on the weekend here? Nah, yeah, so I did just a little peek behind the curtain. I was in Orange over the weekend, Maddie, and I was partaking in a charity, a rugby charity tens uh, tournament. So mm. me and a bunch of schoolmates, about thirty of us, uh, we played in the tournament. Uh, we came what sixth. Um, weren't really taking it that seriously because we were 
um, drinking in between every single game, before and after. Ooh. So probably not the greatest really? mix between drinking and then playing contact rugby. There were only five and a halves, um, ten aside rugby. So it was that it was it was fun and it was good in that regard. But um, since year twelve, so that was what seven seven years ago. I'd only played I played rugby all throughout school, but I hadn't played contact rugby once. I played it once last year for the same tournament, and then again this year for the same tournament. So. The body is not used to getting tackled and trying to tackle other people once more, so it's pretty sore yeah. today. What position did you play? Oh, they weren't really any positions. There wasn't any positions. It was, it was just, <laughs> it was pretty chaotic and pretty, yeah, a lot of mayhem on the field. Yeah. But it was um, lot, lots of fun. Lots of fun. Yeah, good on you. Hey, listen, whilst we're talking about that, and well done for that too, because, you know, you you did it. You and your mates did it, and, and it's something that you're going to continue to do. Um, we have, of course, I told our listeners about this, and especially for our Sydney listeners, the Archie Gray Brain Cancer Awareness Celebrity Charity Cricket Match is on this Wednesday evening at Pratton Park at Ashfield. So 5.30 through till 9.30 on Wednesday night. Archie, at the age of 17, um, lost his life to brain cancer. He was a lover of cricket, a gun player. It'll be a game of cricket between Western Suburbs and Manly at Pratton Park. Archie played for Western Suburbs. His last game was against Manly, and his last days of his young life were spelled, uh, spent at Bear Cottage at Manly as well. So there's going to be a T20 cricketing event on out there at Pratton Park, um, supported by the Mark Hughes Foundation, all funds being raised for brain cancer awareness and research so go to the Mark Hughes Foundation socials, Manly or Western Suburbs Cricket Club socials as well, and you'll find the details. Got some good players heading out there. Brett Lee's going to be out there. Beaver Menzies will be playing as well. Dan Christian, uh, Michael Hooper, just to name a few. So um, that's the celebrity cricket match on Wednesday night. 0457 736 736. Now, Tommy, the draw is going to come out at mm-hmm. 11 o'clock. Um, that's Sydney time, so 10 o'clock for our Queensland listeners. Is there any? Is there much else to come out aside from the fact that we know what's happening around Magic Round and rounds one and two, perhaps? Yeah, not really. I mean, I thought this was embargoed, but you know, we started getting all this news on Friday afternoon after our show, Matty. Um, I think the biggest we were talking about last year who's going to kick off this. Oh, we know who's kicking off the season, sorry, in Vegas. But then there was some debate around the Bulldogs and Eels game, and that could potentially be moved to the Thursday because the Thursday the, match, the yeah. host broadcast had an issue with the Knights and the Raiders potentially kicking off the season in Australia. Maddie. just one point I want to focus on, um, the St. George Laura Dragons. I picked them and I called them out last week to say that they should and they probably will miss Magic Round because of their low fan engagement and because of they're just not a very entertaining team, in my opinion. And lo and behold, um, yeah, thank you. just an early tick before Tommy's tribute next hour. When, you're, when you win, rub it in, as uh, Andrew Voss says on the morning show. And it seems like they're going to miss out. I went through the numbers last um, last week, but they were six, second last in attendance this year. They were 12th in viewership numbers. They were 13th in merchandise sales, and they were 13th in social media following across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. They've been a pretty irrelevant club for the last five years. I haven't played finals since 2018. They've got a new coach. They've got a captain that doesn't want to be there, and all those reasons add up to them missing Magic Round in 2024. So sorry, Saints fans, but... As I said last week, it no, no, could... No, no, they're, they're all your reasons. Oh, they're all my think, reasons yeah, that I yeah. think, and then the NRL and will come out with... I, I don't think I'd be using the word irrelevant. Okay, well, <laughs> apologies there. But the in NRL are of... going to come out in 20 minutes and, you know, gloss you know, politicise why the Dragons aren't playing Magic Round next year. So I can't wait to hear their reasoning. 
Um, but yeah, they won't well, be there in 2024. The reasoning for the Knights missing this year was the fan engagement, but it was yes. the fan engagement at Magic Round, was it not? I think that's that they were the numbers. It was about the fan engagement at Magic Round versus fan engagement elsewhere. I, I don't know. Look, the, at the end of the day, someone has to miss out, so I don't know. Don't really know why we need a reason. Well, again, against, again, know? we shouldn't need a reason. We shouldn't need yeah. a reason. If you come last, you should miss out a Magic Round. That like that oh, that seems pretty well, that's easy. That's a reason. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's what that's you just make it easy, just like that. If you come last, that's so, sorry that some things you have to forego, and it's magic around the following year. Just do that. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is that text line. Back after this. Let's talk tennis with Brett Phillips, host of the first serve right here on SEN tonight. BP, good morning to you, mate. The uh, ATP World Tour Finals. Underway as we speak in Turin, and um, a win for Novak Djokovic, but pushed to three by Holger Rune. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Matty. Look, it's a great uh, tournament. You know, you've got the best eight singles players, the best eight doubles. Uh, Turin, of course, is the, the current home. We're at the O2 in London there for a number of years. Uh, and, and it's great for the doubles guys because they get, you know, a, a really good crowds. Uh, the, they are sort of the, the entree to the singles, which... I should, I think, should happen more in uh, tennis in setting up the day. Uh, but look, Djokovic here watched all that this morning, and uh, you know, Holger's the real deal. He's uh, he's going to be staying at the pointy end of men's tennis, you know, for quite some time. This young day, and he's got an incredible drive to succeed. Now he's added Boris Becker to the camp. He can't get Boris sitting down at the moment. He's standing down, up and down, and he's in uh, there with his charge. And you know, you'd love to be a fly on the wall in that discussion. Obviously, he's got great insight into Djokovic, having been part of that team. Uh, the last few years, but yeah, it's a it's a familiar story, isn't it? Novak just finds a way, particularly in crucial uh, in crucial tiebreakers, and uh, and got it done. And yeah, Yannick Sinner beating Sitsipas was the other singles match today, four and four, and you know he's just risen beautifully. Sinner, it's been an incredible year to be now leapfrogging a few players, and he he just he looks like I, I belong, and that, that's taken a little bit of time to establish and. The Kale effect, we've spoken about that before. So, yeah, going to be a great week of competition. Of course, we've got the two Aussies, uh, you know, Ricky yeah. Carter and Jason Kubler, who it seems like an eternity ago won the Australian Open. And, you know, Jason has played next to no tennis since the US Open with some injury, but wanted to get back for this tournament. So they're going to be in action, uh, yeah, later on tonight. And Matty Ebden with Rohan Bapana as well. So we end up yes, with three correct. Aussies in the in the doubles there. Okay, so that's later tonight. Carlos Alcaraz has Medvedev, Rublev and Sverev in his, in his group. Uh, and he'll play Sverev tomorrow night. So Carlos has all the Evs um, in his side of the um, World Tour Finals. The Billie Jean King Cup, BP, I was busy with motorsport across the weekend. So I didn't catch any of this, but... Canada ended up winning, defeating Italy, and Aussies um, knocked out in the group stage. How did how did this go in terms of gaining traction out here, the Billie Jean King Cup? Oh, look, it's always interesting, I think, now with the Billie Jean and the Davis Cup being at these neutral uh, venues. Look, I, I think, you know, watching Australia's and uh, covering their two group stage ties last week, they, they did a pretty good job, particularly the first night Australia play. They wheeled in um, all these school kids and told them to make as much noise and bang on the fence and... Uh, you know, yell as loud as they could just to create a bit of atmosphere. It was actually fascinating. The venue, someone took a wide shot. It was actually like a big tent in a football stadium, which I found really interesting. So in Seville in Spain, they couldn't find an indoor venue for the Billy Jean King Cup. But yeah, Canada becoming the 13th different nation, Matt, to win this tournament. 
uh, a young teenager who I had not even heard of, really. Marina Skakusik was the young star. Even Eugenie Bouchard was uh, part of the expanded team who we'd sort of forgotten about. But for Australia, yeah, it was disappointing, to be totally honest. And you had an underdone Isla Tomjanovic who got exposed. She only played five matches for the year. Darius Savills only played 20-odd matches for the year. Kim Birrell got a taste. But hats off to Storm Hunter, who flew in, got to the venue, I think, two hours before, was crucial in the doubles, the new world number one, and then won a singles rubber in defeating Kazakhstan on Thursday. So, you know, Stormy could hold her head high, but yeah, for Alicia Mollick's final campaign, not many people get to go out in a fairy tale, and unfortunately, we couldn't get through you know, that semi-final stage. Yeah, all right. So hopefully they can find a, a better suited venue next time around, mate. But uh, let's see how the uh, World Tour finals go in ATP because that's going to be fascinating playing out in Turing. Good on you. You'll have it all covered in the first serve. Thanks, Brett. Brett Phillips joining us there. Uh, and we will catch up with BP again this time next week. So we'll also keep our eyes on those World Tour finals as they continue on. Yannick Sinner winning his match against Tsitsipas 6-4, 6-4. And uh, Novak Djokovic, 7-6-6-7-6-3 on centre court um, against Holger Rune. So the best of the best in action in Torino. Uh, in regards to opening up the potential salary caps for clubs to get a rugby player, says Steve, to be honest, why would we? I honestly cannot name one single player, he says, from the World Cup squad and push to shove would any of the current squad make a top 13 squad for current NRL teams? Um, thanks for that. I'm thinking, says the Penny Panther, Greg from Gundagai is in hiding. Well, we're now into our, for our Sydney listeners, we're now about to enter our third hour. And we haven't heard from Greg from Gundy, who tipped us airmen on the final day of the Melbourne Cup Carnival and uh, was looking to sort of bounce back after missing the winner in the Cup, missing the winner in the Oaks, and then missed the winner on Stakes Day. Um, and then, not only that, said if Airman doesn't win, he was going to noot it up down the main road at Gundagai. <laughs> so, Greg, you're either <laughs> you're either out finishing off that task or <laughs> you are in hiding. But the way that you bounced back last week, I mean, you, you took the criticism with absolute aplomb. You played it for what it was, and you came out swinging, which has got to be applauded, I reckon. Um, and just, we we don't need any visual evidence if you do the run. I'm ha- I'm just happy to take your word for it, because the last thing we need to is to have to send 2am Tommy down there and represent you in court. You have to go on down. Uh, Tony says, Stoinis, Marcus is an all-rounder and scores much quicker than Manus. Being a good test player doesn't make a good ODI player. Yeah, that's fair enough, Tony. Which way do they go? Because the options are there. Um, yep, scores much quicker than... Manus hasn't put a foot wrong, virtually. I mean, yeah, sure, score more runs, do all that kind of stuff. But given that he wasn't even in the initial squad, it hasn't been a bad run. So I get the feeling, Tony, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that they're going to go the way that you're thinking of Marcus Stoinis, but I also get the feeling that I don't think Manus Labuschagne had let you down. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. that's that open line number. Keep your thoughts coming if you want to pick up the phone and give us a call. 
Alrighty, so that draw is coming in now, so details being released. Magic round dates will be May 17 through to 19. So May 17 to 19 for Magic Round and Brizzy. Season will kick off, as we know, Sunday, March the 3rd for the Australian audiences. 1.30 in the afternoon on Sunday, March the 3rd will be the first match, and that's Manly Ringer versus South Sydney, followed by Broncos v Roosters. Now, from what I can see here, Seagulls v Rabbitohs Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas, is a Fox broadcast. Roosters v Broncos is a uh, Fox slash nine broadcast. So the first match of the year will be on Fox, as far as I can see, and on Fox only. And I can't remember a time when that's happened for a long time. I may be wrong, but I've just gone back the last five or six years and we've had a Thursday night match start the premiership proper every year at least back to 2017 and possibly beyond, which would therefore mean that it's also been shown on Channel 9. So a bit of a different one, this one, starting in Las Vegas, and very different that the first game of the season would be behind a paywall. Um, Andrew Abdo is getting ready, I believe, to speak at NRL headquarters. So when that comes through, we can bring it to you. Uh, Maestro will let me know that one, and then we'll pick our way through the major points of the uh, draw as it comes on in. But basically, round one then continues the following week. As we mentioned just before the news, we can confirm Newcastle v Raiders will be that first Thursday night game. So Thursday, March the 7th, match will be at McDonald Jones Stadium, 8 o'clock at night, and it will be Newcastle v Canberra. So there was some talk around nine not being happy with that. Obviously, two non-Sydney teams being played there, and... Um, they were looking at Eels v Bulldogs, but that one's going to stay where it is, which is at Combank Stadium on the Saturday. And then we've got the themed rounds. Multicultural round will be round three. Anzac round, round eight. Magic round, as I mentioned, round 11, which is May 17 to 19. Indigenous round will be round 12. Beanies for brain cancer round will be round 15. And women in league round will be round 22. So the details starting to come through, and it's also been confirmed about State of Origin as well, that uh, State of Origin for the women will be three matches, a first-ever three-match series. Makes absolutely total sense. So State of Origin is going to roll out quite interesting. First match will be the women's game at Suncorp Stadium on May the 16th. First men's game will be at a core stadium on June the 5th. Then we'll have game two of the Women's State of Origin at McDonald Jones Stadium. That'll be the day after the first of the men's. Then game two of the men's will happen at the MCG on the 26th of June. Game three of the women's at QCB Stadium on the 27th of June. And then the final State of Origin for the men's will be at Suncorp on July 17. So there's a lot to digest, obviously, after all of that. 0457 736 736. And Joel Gould uh, is currently picking through it as well while he's on the road. Uh, reporting for AAP. The Tigers will get the bye in round one. And the New Zealand Warriors will get the bye in the final round. So that'll be round 27. Dragons will be missing out on Magic Round. So let me just take you quickly to round 11. Do, 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 do. Scroll through there, which will be Magic Round. 
and you'll see, or I'll see, that the Dragons have the bye. So all matches, obviously, at Suncorp Stadium. So we can lock in the Friday night at Magic Round will be Raiders v Bulldogs, and then Seagulls and Broncos. Saturday will be Titans and Knights, Sharks, Roosters, Rabbitohs, Cowboys. Sunday will be Warriors, Panthers, Storm v Eels, and West Tigers against the Dolphins with the Dragons to get the bye. And it was penciled that round three, and that's confirmed, round three will be Panthers v Broncos at Bluebet Stadium. The Thursday night match of multicultural round will be the grand final rematch between the Penrith Panthers and the Brisbane Broncos. So there you go. Uh, Joel Gould joining us. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Let's go there right now. John from Everton Park's on the line as we also think about cricket and what's ahead of us with the semi-finals. Good morning, John. G'day. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Marcus or Marnus? Um, look, the pattern that I've picked up over the last few years is that the, the sensible test standard batsman is, is going to come to the fore when the, when the serious bowler is involved. Um, so I would I would go with Marnus. Uh, you know, he's less likely to attack the first ball he gets. You know, he's going to play straight. If the ball's on the offside, he's going to hit it on the offside. If the ball's on the onside, he'll hit it the onside. These are the things that that make players stay in. And uh, the other boys are, you know, they're just a bit iffy because they're playing. They made their name in T20, and um, they're there for a short time, not a long time. But T20 cricket, you got 50 overs. Uh, um, this type of cricket, we've got 50 overs. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to get 400 to win. I think you just need to guarantee that you're going to get 300. And, you know, sometimes uh, when these blokes uh, collapse, uh, you'll see someone good, like, like the New Zealand team, they've got that Williamson. Now, he's a proper test player, and he came to the fore in the T20 final uh, a couple of years ago, and some of the other blokes around him failed. So um, I just feel safer with a with a straight cricketer who, who does the right thing and is spending a bit of time thinking about not going out rather than hitting every ball for six. Yeah. No, well said, John. Well said. I I find it a really interesting debate, this one. I think they're going to lean the Marcus Stoinis way, um, but I'd be I'd be happy with the Marnus Labuschagne way. I, you know, I, I just think that that's a really interesting sort of scenario that they face, and it is that good headache to have, isn't it, if you're Pat Cummins if you're Andrew McDonald, because it gives you options about which way do you want to go. And you just were, used a really interesting word there too, safe. Do they want to be safe? Um, to an extent, yes, obviously. Do they want to have intent? That was something that Mitchell Marsh spoke about often. When you listen to players um, speaking to the media, quite often too, there'll be a reflection of what they're talking about within the playing group and especially when things are going right. And I listened and, and read to the nth degree what uh, Mitch Marsh had to say after his 177 not out, and he spoke a lot about intent, and intent for him as a player and intent for the team. So their intent at this World Cup um, is, is being put out there publicly. So what do they intend to do here is what I'm getting at. Do they intend to go out yeah. with Marcus Stoinis or muscles and tight shirts and let him rip, or do they intend to be a little bit safe? I'm not sure. Thanks, John. Good on you, mate. Thank you for the call. So a safe bet probably is a good way of putting Marnus. Um, an intent-driven outcome with your Marcus Stoinis. Not a bad headache to have. 
Joel Gould is on the line uh, at Dolphins Training. Been there this morning, mate. Um, and a new signing has spoken to the media as we also digest the round, uh, the NRL draw for 2024. Thanks for your time, mate. What did Jake Avarillo have to say this morning? Yeah, good morning, Matty. Uh, and good morning to your listeners. Yeah, look, he's um, he's just done the, uh, the... what Wayne does the the old school 1.2 km time trial. He just did that in four minutes, 17 seconds. He's pretty fit. Um, he's Yeah, he was quite interesting. He, he's looking forward to playing um, centre with Herbie Farmworth, that's for sure. Um, and I think that's going to give the Dolphins a lot of strike in the centres. Uh, yeah, like, I, I think... From what he was saying, he's looking for a, a change. He had one meeting with Bennett, uh, like what he heard, bang, and away, away he went, and he signed a new deal. So, I, I do think, I do think he, he looks in great shape, and I think he he will give um, the Dolphins. This, he talked about you know providing the speed and uh, putting his winger away, and he should have Jermaine Asako outside of him if he plays right wing, which, right centre, which I presume he will. Um, so I think he's going to offer quite a bit to the Dolphins. Are they at full... Is everyone back for training? Are they at full tilt now? Not everyone's back, but there was a good chunk of um, some of their top players back today. Tom Gilbert, uh, pretty sure he won the time trial. Looks in amazing shape. Uh, Nick Rima, Milford, Mark Nichols, Kenny Bromwich, Wallace. Yeah, they, they had a good chunk. Uh, Sullivan, a lot of their top players were back uh, training today because... Obviously, they had um, an early exit. Well, they didn't play finals, so they've had they've had a two month break. Uh, no sign of Wayne at the moment, uh, but he doesn't mm. usually turn up for a few more weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Higgins, I don't know, he might be on his farm, so yeah. in the cattle. I don't know what he's doing, but he, he's certainly not here. Um, uh, this session being run by their, their fitness guru um, Hickman's today. Yeah. All right. So you asked, you answered my next question without me having to ask it, but um, I was wondering where Wayne was. But he ain't there. He'll be there when he needs to be. So the the news is starting to filter in around the draw, mate. The Dolphins will have the Cowboys first up at SunCorp Stadium in round one, and they'll get their first home game the next week against the Dragons. Um, any hot points have have jumped out at you as the draw's been released this morning? Yeah, I think I think the Dolphins and the Titans will be very happy with their their draw, especially the first five weeks. The Broncos have got a tough opening to their campaign, and then it, then it evens out. I think it's pretty fair for them. They do get a lot of games in Queensland, so from a Queensland point of view, just looking at those three teams or Southeast Queensland point of view, I think I think the Titans and Dolphins will be very happy with the the start to their season. It gives them an opportunity to. If, if they can click to, to get some points together for the Broncos, it's a tough initiation, obviously with the Roosters, and, and amongst it all, they've got Penrith, Melbourne, um, South Sydney, and the Cowboys. So that's they've probably got the toughest start to the season. And and looking at the draw that just come out on there, um, the website there, the NRL website, I think Melbourne's got a very difficult draw. Um, they they seem to play a lot of those top top eight sides twice. I think they might have 12 or 14 games against the, the top eight uh, from last last year. But, and also the, the Sharks, once again, have got, um, you know, very, very kind draw. Only, I think, nine games against the top eight in the whole season. But look, one thing I'd say, Matty, is when people talk about the draw, and you'd have to say, looking at it, and looking at the top 10 or 12 teams that have we've seen the last few years that 
the usual suspects usually finish in the top eight. Melbourne, Penrith, South, the Broncos. South not yeah. last year, obviously. Um, but it's a bit of a double-edged sword having what's so-called an easy draw because we've seen the Sharks get to finals football and for whatever reason, they haven't really fired. They've gone out backwards. They don't look battle-hardened. And I can honestly say that I think it can count against you sometimes. It certainly helps you get into the top eight. Um, if if you, you still got to perform, and the Sharks have obviously won their games, but is it really a benefit to you when the whips are cracked? Oh, I think we just lost Joel there. I think our system just shut down there. Yeah, you see the point that, that Joel was making around that, you know, um, the usual suspects are the usual suspects when you think about the top eight. So you, you take a look at the round and you go, you take a look at the draw and you go, okay, what what about when, when we get to the crunch time here? We can look at the draw and dissect and who plays who and who's got this and um, Cronulla, nine games against teams that played finals in 2023. Well, all that comes into play. Who gets the buy in round one? Who gets the buy at the back end? Well, who's there when the whips are cracking? And it's the usual suspects. A really interesting one that's that's just got me at the moment. I don't know if I'm I'm reading too much into this, but I, I can't imagine. I can't. I, I don't know if there's going to be much conjecture around the fact that for the first time, as far as I can see, for a long time, if not forever, the very first game of the season will be behind a paywall. So normally the season starts on a Thursday night and that'll end up on free-to-air and on Fox. But this time around with the Las Vegas games coming into play, it's a Sunday afternoon into Australia, double header. The first game, Seagulls, Rabbitohs, Fox. And the second game, Roosters, Broncos, which is 3.30 on a Sunday afternoon, will be on Fox and 9. It's only one game, but it's the opening game of the season. So let's just see how that one pans out. Our thanks to Joel Gould. So we've had a little bit of a system meltdown there, but thanks to Joel um, for his time and insights into training there at the Dolphins. No sign of Wayne. Then he's going to turn up when he needs to. Matt says, Matty, what's often overlooked with Marnus is that he saves you about 20 runs in the field. Yeah, and often pulls off a run out and did so uh, the other night. He must be there, says Matt. Thank you for that, mate. Uh, Matty, I thought it was ridiculous that Rugby Union didn't allow the World Cup quarters on Channel 9. You said the broadcasters are in charge. Now you say Channel 9's not happy about Round 1 NRL, so maybe they are not in charge, <laughs> says Tony. Well, the reports were that 9 were hoping to have that match between the Knights and the Raiders. These were the reports. Flipped into Eels and Bulldogs. So their first match of the season on a Thursday night Channel 9, remember, they'll get Roosters-Broncos on Sunday afternoon, but the first Thursday night match will be Canberra v Newcastle in Newcastle. There was some um, drama around trying to reschedule the Eels v Bulldogs because that's a Combank Stadium, and there is uh, A-League going on essentially at the same time. Um, Not at the same time, but just a day apart. So there's a lot of juggling around to do uh, in that department. What's all this fuss, says Brett? Either Marnus or Marcus. Maxi is the best, bar none. <laughs> yes. Now, the Greg from Gundagai situation. Uh, McHugh says, Greg, can you please... And we haven't heard from Greg from Gundy. Can you please tip South Africa to beat Australia in the Cricket World Cup and Australia not win the World Cup? So we're going... Greg from Gundy has become the reverse tipster. Uh, 
On the horse tipping, can I tip the listeners into SEN track on Sundays? Miles and Sammy could not miss yesterday. And they actually know what they're talking about, says Tim. Mate, SEN track's awesome. Is Greg, says Paramat. Nice to hear from you this morning. Uh, I think I'll hold that one for later on. But you basically say, uh, oh, I see, I see. Is he sitting on his lunchbox? So, you know, the old tucker box. Dog sat on the tucker box down there. Five miles from Gundagai. More likely as I think it's got a current feel of 16 degrees. So Paramount reckons that Greg may be waiting for higher temperatures for the nudie run. I hope he's not waiting for when I'm driving through town. Uh, it's been a routine for our family for a long, long time to stop there at the dog on the tucker box, take a daggy photo and move on. <laughs> and it's got to be daggy. Ah, oh dear. 20 minutes after 10 for our Brizzy and... Gold Coast listeners, 20 past 11 for those tuned in at 11.70 a.m. in Sydney. Welcome back to the program. Right, um, this listener says Greg from Gundagai may be in the slammer uh, and hasn't used his one phone call on SEN. <laughs> True. Well, hey, it's a free call. You know, one three, I, I, I don't know. I assume it's a free call if you're calling from the slammer. Alex, you got any... Um, no, any prize in this department? Tommy, no, no prize. We don't know. But it's a free call, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Greg, if you need help, we're here. Maddie, with your television knowledge, can you ever see a day when to watch the NRL you have to be on a pay-for-view uh, platform, as in subscription? I reckon it's close, says Matt. Um, yeah, I can. The world of broadcasting is going to change and is changing rapidly. Streamers are the ones to watch here in this space. And the difference within Australia is there is still anti-siphoning. Certain things have to be shown on free-to-air TV and certain sports in particular have to be shown on free-to-air TV. So that's still at play. Long-term deals are still at play, but it's just around the corner in terms of how much how much it'll change when one of the when one of the big boppers comes on in, and by big bopper I mean an Apple or an Amazon or something like that. I mean the big players are already playing. There's no doubt about it. But we have a very different sort of relationship with our television. I would say that's probably the easiest way to put it in your lounge room than a lot of other nations do. If you want to take a look at how it's panning out in American sports, that's how it'll end up here some stage, but it's probably a little bit further down the track. It's interesting how it's going to change, and it changes with technology, but the technology's well and truly caught up with sporting rights that are still in play. The big question is, Matt, if you're a sport, where do you get the most money from? That's what you've got to answer. At the moment, if you can do a most money deal, which has got some government regulations tied around it between a subscription service plus a free-to-air service, then that's the way that you're going to go because you kind of have to. Or if you can get your big money out of a streaming service when you can start having the justification of the numbers that most people are starting to go that way, then that's the way you'll go as well. Again, if you look at NRL and AFL and cricket, they're all locked into pretty big deals because there are, at the moment, only a handful of players in that space. But heaven knows what happens when... Amazon want to come on in and knock on the NRL's door and say, hey, give us, why don't you give us Thursday night footy for a billion dollars? Now, does that change the way that you think? <laughs> yes, sir, Bob. And then you go, oh, that won't happen. It's already happened in America. 
They're already over there into it. And their checkbooks are a little bit longer than most others. So at the moment, we're okay. I don't think it's a bad thing, by the way, the way that it's going to go. But at the moment, we're, we've got what we've got. Um, Kane on that says, Fox Sports are playing smart footy, if you ask me. One thirty, one thirty Sunday Arvo is Fox Sports' a slot. They've got no reason to share it with Channel 9 unless 9 want to put money out to show it. That's right. Absolutely. But the opening game of the season to be scheduled at one thirty on a Sunday afternoon makes for a different kettle of fish. The opening game of the season. So I'm not saying this is a good or a bad thing, but I can understand because I've got Fox, I'm lucky. Right? I've got... I can watch it on Fox. I can watch it on Nine. I can watch it on KO if I want. I'm lucky in that scenario. But what about all those people that sport rugby league have been told about the double header? This is us going to Vegas, and they don't have access to that. You either buy it or don't see it. So it's an interesting one, really, really interesting one. Um, Matty, I've never used main event pay per view, but I would happily pay to watch the NRL Vegas launch. It's such a unique event and could easily be televised as such. So there you go. There's the flip side to that, Matt. Matt from Ipswich, that one. Thank you for that. Uh, let's go to the news. 2am Tommy coming on in. And we've got to recap Tommy's Tribune from the weekend as well. Independent, trustworthy and dazzling. Time now for Tommy's Tribune. Monday morning where we recap Tommy's Tribune. The predictive headlines going into the weekend covering all sorts of sports. And then we see how close Tommy was to the mark. Uh, we've also got to see if we can find Greg from Gundagai. McHugh, Tommy, your mate, reckons that uh, Greg's running scared because he thinks he's got to go to lunch with Tommy for punishment. Who can blame him? <laughs> Are you still? Have you? St- did you continue That's the running? Good. I know that you're a bit, a bit battered and bruised after your charity rugby match, but have yep. you continued the marathon running? I have. I have. I'm going to go for a run this Arvo, actually, Matty. So, um, yeah, a bit sore, but, you know. I'm going to go for a run. So I did a, I did a half marathon a few weeks ago, a few, okay. about two Saturdays ago. I just got up. I was like, righto, let's just, let's just run. Let's just do a half marathon and see how I go. And, yeah, it went well. All right. Well, mate, I've just, I've just quickly Googled it. Um, <laughs> and something really funny has just come up. But I just quickly Googled it. From Sydney to Gundagai mm-hmm. is at 432.5 kilometres. Right. So I was wondering whether you might just want to, you know, chuck on the boots and. Well, I could do a marathon. I could do a marathon a day for ten marathon days. Marathon a day to get you there for ten days. Yes, um, just and a bit it says over. It'll take you via Wee Jasper Road, which is <laughs> fair enough. Um, okay, now Tribune, Tribune got totally lost there, but four hundred odd k's. If if we need to send you down to Gundagai, you're a, you're our man. So how did you go with our Tribune headlines? Um, I think I went pretty well, Matty. So I had a bit of racing in there, had a bit of cricket headlines in there as well. Um, yeah, I think I went yeah pretty bang on here. But first one wasn't a go, but the first one was Smith Vertigo's to a century. Um, Ooh, close. So I tipped after he was battling the Vertigo. I tipped Steve Smith to get a century against Bangladesh. He got 63 not out, so across there for me. Um, but I thought he looked good, Matty. He had four fours, one six, strike rate of just under 100, um, getting his hands back, Steve Smith. So, I mean, they all got uh, – we only had four batsmen in there, but apart from Travis Head, Warner got – I mean, Davey Warner this World Cup has just been unbelievable. He's letting – he does like to say some stuff, but he, he more importantly, he's letting his batting do the talking. And then the Bison, Mitchell Marsh, 
just this bloke is just an absolute hitter. Nine sixes and 17 fours at a strike rate of 134. My goodness. It's just so much, uh, so much depth. I think the uh, the worry for me is the bowling. That's what I have. That that's what I am worried about. Um, I, I think our batting can go head to head against anyone, but I think the bowling right now. I remember we had a caller last week who was worried about our bowling, especially if we can swing it or not. But uh, swing it uh, or not. But that's what I am worried about is the bowling. So hopefully a freshened up um, Mitchell Stark as well comes back in that lineup and can prove me wrong. Don't worry about the bowling. Okay. We're sweet there. Okay. We're sweet. Okay. Uh, second headline: So much ease for impaired trees. Now, you you said you liked that headline, but then, thank you, Alex. But then you just said um, to make it better, how about just impaired trees? Yeah. And I watched the replay again this morning um, of the champion sprint. Uh, sprint. It beat beat Vanas Notches, beat In Secret, beat Espiona. Is it is it the best horse in the country right now? Impaired trees. Yeah. Best sprinter. Best maybe. sprinter. I think definitely best sprinter. Um, so that was one of one for my uh, racing headlines so far. Now, and the next one was, didn't go too great with this one because I wanted, it, it was not more of I believed in it. It was more of me wanting wanting to happen. And it was an inevitable win. It was the champion's mile. I wanted Damon, Damon Oliver to go out on top. Um, he came fifth in the inevitable um, but so that's across for me. The Pride of Jenny. Did you watch that race, Matty? Pride of Jenny. I didn't. So no. Declan Bates, the jockey, essentially did a Giant McNeil on Twilight Payment a few years ago. Just got out to a lead and just stayed there the whole race. It was phenomenal ride from Declan Bates, the jockey. Wow. Uh, Damien Oliver will have his last rides in Melbourne mm-hmm. this weekend at Caulfield. Um, so it's going to be. So he's going to finish off his career. Over in WA, so he's going to go back back to Perth, uh, and then he'll finish off in the yeah in the Melbourne races this weekend. So it's going to be quite um, quite emotional, I would say. Oh, of course, absolute legend. Now, my last racing headline was for the Champion Stakes, and you yes. were a bit you didn't like this one, Maddie. You didn't like where the headline was going. You didn't like my reasoning behind it. Uh, the headline was not West Wind Blows, but it was West Wind Woes. Now I yes. tipped. West Wind blows, not just to not win, but also not place. And then you did a bit of digging and said, "Well, Tommy, I don't know, what, I don't know what you're thinking there, because in every single race it had run, it had at least placed." You're and right. then I, I missed the race in live. I watched the replay this morning and again yesterday. Um, Maddie, it came one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh, eighth. Oh, I came ninth. 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 Give me a tick, please, Alex. It came ninth. <laughs> Come on, two dollar eighty favorite. Comes ninth. Out of a field of 11 horses. Out of a field of 11. Come on. You know what it got beaten by? A tissue, J-Mac. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, you know what it beat home? It beat home the French runner, Zarek, mm-hmm. $61, and Pinstriped, $81. They were the two that <laughs> beat home. Come on. That's a... That's just a that's a lucky day for your headline. It was a tough unless, tough Melbourne Cup carnival, Matty. Tough oh, Melbourne yeah. Cup carnival for a lot of punters out there. And my last one was again, I'm just on a roll here. Puff goes the magic for the dragons. I tipped them yeah. tipped them not to be part of Magic Round. Um I went through all those reasons last hour, so we don't need to go down that track once again. Matty, I'll just ask you about the draw. Do you think yep. they're a bit overrated? Draws? 
and like and really breaking them down. I think a little bit they can be overanalyzed because you've always got to play a team. But I think it does matter in certain situations when you play a team, where you play a team, um, how that team is is coming up when you play them. But it is a bit hard to kind of analyze it. What are we? when we're still four months or four and a half months out from the start of next season. It's certainly not an event, put it that way. No. You know, <laughs> it, it's not something you sit around going, okay, let's get... I mean, what we knew was, in my opinion, what we needed to know. Mm-hmm. Okay, who's going to play first? What times? Who gets the buy in Magic Round? And probably when's the grand final rematch? Yep. And... That's about it. About it. Origin dates, stuff like that. Origin dates. I mean, the, the news around, see, what, what what should have been a bigger event, the news around the three matches for State of Origin for women. So good. Mm. So smart. I mean, that that to me, that's the biggest thing that's popped out in 2024. We knew that they were going to Vegas and doing all that kind of stuff, but the fact that they've finally got it together and, and done what everyone was hoping that they would do in State of Origin women's is go three matches. Well, it's sort of, they could have made a bigger deal around that. Um but, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, you know, they have to release the draw. There's no doubt about that. Is it an event? Is it something that everyone sits around, sweats, and watches their clock with? No. Um, it's our job to report it and sort of pick our way through it. And I think we've hit the main marks there as to who's going to play who at the key times. Yeah, and they're definitely trying to eventize it. I mean, they had the press conference this morning, Andrew Abdo going all in all about, you know, the details and how great the 2024 season is going to be bigger, better, bolder. And whatnot, but Matty, you spoke about it a, a bit before. It's going to be fascinating to see, like the figures coming out of the, those first two games, or the first game, sorry, in Vegas, starting that season off. What the viewership, uh, the ratings are going to be with just Fox Sports broadcasting that match. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know what the numbers are going to be. I, I do find it interesting that it's. Um, that the National Rugby League will start its season with its first match behind a paywall. And that's nothing against Fox. They've got the right to it and they pay a lot of money for it and so they shouldn't. They'll do a damn good job at it. But when people start to go, okay, well, where's this first match? Mm -hmm. Where do we start the season? We want to see the bells and whistles of Las Vegas. And if you don't have access to subscription TV, if you don't have access to Fox's coverage, what do you do? Sign up if you can. That's the that's the whole point behind it. So it's a big call. It's actually a little bit bigger call than than I think a lot of people are giving it giving credit to it at the moment because it's sort of lost in the wash of everything there. But um, that's the double header, and that's the way it's going to pan out. And look, nine will be over there, and they'll be you know they'll be doing their second match on that double header on mm-hmm. the Sunday afternoon, and they'll get big numbers on that heading into their news at six o'clock and all that kind of stuff. So. Very, very interesting. Nice work, Tommy. Thank you for that. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. Pat says, I think the way that Greg exaggerates, he can run from Gundagai to Sydney in two days. <laughs> Poor old Greg. Uh, he had a crack, right? So, unfortunately, people like me, I went into the... I fell down the funnel and just, you know, ended up on the slippery slope and watched Airman just go, not to where it needed to go. Back after this. Uh, good morning to you, Jimmy Smith. You're ready to take over the afternoon's program, the font of all knowledge. You come armed. Oh. Oh. You come armed with answers to my questions. I feel unarmed today. Matthew. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've you know, just been. 
patted down by Tom before I walked into the studio. I know, I know, yeah. it sounds as weird as it feels to say. Yeah. So still got the watch? Ah, uh, yeah, got that. Haven't got yep. my wallet. I'll find that. I no. suppose. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, um, how are you, Matty? Now, how'd the yes. girls go over the weekend? Did you have a victory? Now, listen, we did. I was at Bathurst doing Speed oh. Series Motorsports. So oh I was, dear! Oh dear! Uh, Yes, I was up there uh, commentating like crazy and hosting all that. So I was in the heat of Bathurst, quite literally. It was bloody boiling um, for two full days. And I think we ended up with... So I was watching the uh, the scores as they came through. I think yep. uh, the great Manly women's teams ended up with two wins, a loss, and a tie. Ooh. Yes. Oh, there you go. Uh, look, so. just uh, word filtering through my spies at Manly District Cricket Club. Uh, apparently, yes, you retain no the, full, the full support of the board, oh. um, <laughs> but there has been a players-only meeting uh, following the, the performance on There's Saturday. a revolt. Well, I don't want to say too much about it. Hey, the peasants are revolting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Monet, De Monet. <laughs> that was a great, that was a great Mel Brooks line. The peasants are revolting. You're exactly. damn right they are. They stink on ice. <laughs> what a genius, Mel Brooks. What a genius. They say, what was the name yes. of the show that they used to all write for? Johnny Carson, um, uh, Mel Mel Brooks. Uh, there was um, all these guys used to write for it. Uh, it was the first of the the late night shows before Johnny yeah, Carson had his own show. Um, yeah. Ivan Reitman, I think, used to used to write for oh, them as yeah, well, and and uh, I think Woody Allen also wrote for them, and they'd walk in, and Mel Brooks always late, and he'd always come up with the best line. He'd always have yeah. the best gag. Uh, uh, he's an absolute genius. Yes. Okay, so all right, look, I'll spend the rest of the day just talking <laughs> to my sources uh, and see if any of my positions. But see, I, I'm now the assistant coach there. Oh, no. So no. I operate alongside Dunk, who's in, who's in charge of – he's the head coach. Okay. So I'm in that role there where I just facilitate. Um, like I said at our season launch, I said, just think of me as the handyman, Matt. No job, bit too big or small. There you go. There you go. That's, yeah, that's And, and that's the other one coming out of the office too. Are you the assistant coach or the assistant to the coach, you know, which is a big difference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> big difference. What title now, you've got. Uh, you reckon – so I, I asked the question – I, I tried to go back, and I was sort of doing it in ad breaks to find when the last game of the the opening game of the season started behind mm. the paywall, which is an ugly way to say it, but it's the truth. You know, yes, right? so, yes. And you've come up with it. Well, I, I do remember the very first game in the history of the National Rugby League after 1997 when there were two rugby league competitions, and they came yeah. together in 1998. The very first game was a Friday night game played at 8 p.m. local time in Auckland. It was the South Sydney Rabbitohs playing against the Auckland Warriors, as they were then known. Yes. Uh, famous victory for the South. So for a very brief period of time that year, we were leading the competition. I think it ended the following <laughs> week. But uh, well done to Darren Burns, the former back rower for the South Sydney oh. Rabbitohs. He scored the first try in the history of the NRL. Wow. First try scorer in that match, first game in the history of the NRL. The National Rugby League started in 1998. And that would have been on, on behind a paywall back here in Australia. 1998. The great so that would have been – so that was at Mount Smart Stadium. Correct. 24 Correct. points to 18. Yeah, dominant. Dominant. <laughs> I think we won three games that year. <laughs> 
That's dominant as we got. Hang on a second. <laughs> hang on a second. Hang on a second. Fact check. Fact check Freddie here. Yeah. Has it got how many I'm tackles good. I made? Or I've got no, no, no. Hopefully, it hasn't got how many I missed. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that's not there. <laughs> Funny those those stats. Uh, hang on. No, it, this has got Friday thirteenth of March Cowboys v Adelaide Rams. Yeah. Okay. Yes. 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 And then Broncos v Seagulls. Nineteen ninety eight. This is nineteen ninety eight on the draw here. And then Warriors v Rabbitohs. Yeah, but the times, the times, because we're in the New times. Zealand, we would have been earlier. We we kicked there off eight o'clock local time. Yeah, hey, yeah. There no, you go. Don't try and take Burnsy's record away from him, I'm, please, no, I'm Matthew not, I'm White. Not, I'm just, I'm just, you know, just making sure that we've got everything fine and uh, locked in place. And it appears also to me that the team statistics have been taken off that page. <laughs> Um, so how on earth you managed to do that is beyond me, but well done. You Thank managed you. to take the team's stats and missed tackles off that page. Yeah. Whew. Hey, I'll tell you what, we've got a couple of great games of cricket coming up. How good's this World yeah. Cup been? I, look, I was talking about it the other day. You know, like previously we had World Cup in England, bad time zone, World Cup in Australia, so we're really immersed in it. But this time zone where you go 7.30 every night, there's a game of cricket, how good. There'll be a yeah. lot of interest in those semifinals. Yeah, Marcus or Marnus for you? Marcus. No, no, no. Sorry, Marnus. <laughs> sorry. The other one. Labaskakni. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if you're Pat Cummins and you get that wrong? Right, righto, folks. Here's the team for the semifinals. It's Smith, Marcus. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, exactly. Oh. And, mate, he's got the pads on and running out before you can even. <laughs> oh, sorry. These are the guys that will be left out. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, 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 Marcus. Yeah, <laughs> too late. Marcus is out in the middle, going. I don't, all I heard was my name. Exactly. That's all, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Michael Roy Whitney, special guest today. Ah, oh, what a champ! Absolute yep. champ. Have a good show, mate. Thanks, Matty. Hillstorm Hillary says, Matty, no Storm v Warriors on Anzac Day. It's Storm v Rabbitohs now. Still a great game, but what the? Yeah, it's a triple header on Anzac Day, Thursday, the twenty fifth of April. So the Warriors will have a home game this time around. So there'll be a game uh, in Australia at two o'clock, for being into Australia at two o'clock, four o'clock, and then seven fifty. So Warriors at home against the Titans, Dragons v Roosters at Allianz, and Storm down there at Amy Park against the Rabbitohs. So a bit of a change up for Anzac round. Mike Whitney will be Jimmy Smith's special guest on the program, so stick around for that. Um, it'll be a big show as per usual. We'll be back again tomorrow morning, so I hope you can join us then. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for all of your input today along the way. Stick around. Jimmy's coming up.